Welcome to episode 165 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Below, and I am delighted that you've chosen to spend this time with me and my guest. I have a quick insight to share before moving to the featured conversation. I was on a continuing education conference call last week, and the subject of someone's big next step came up. When we're at a crossroads or feeling restless, we often ask ourselves, what's my next big step? We want to know the answer, capital T, capital A. Perhaps we're asking the wrong question. At least that's what popped into my head as I heard this person talk about their next big step. And instead of that, you know, what's my next big step, maybe the question is, what's my next small step? In other words, what's a small thing that you can do or think or feel that is different from whatever you're doing now? We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to always be moving towards that big goal, which in our minds requires that we know what that big goal is. But what if we don't know? Maybe we need to slow down and give the process space to breathe. We reveal the answer or the big goal when we leave room for experimentation, trying out different ideas and identities, being curious, keeping what works and leaving what doesn't. It can feel like you're climbing a mountain and every side of that mountain is sheer. But maybe there are stairs that you'll only see if you slow down and breathe. Let's move on to the conversation. I'm really happy to be sharing this with you because it's with a colleague that I respect and admire, Marianne Griebler. Marianne is an award-winning marketing communications strategist, writer, and speaker who helps her clients put the power of words to work for them. As a two-time LinkedIn top voice for marketing and social media, she also specializes in taking the myth and the mystery out of the largest online professional network. Her insights on marketing have been featured on U.S. News & World Report, ABC News Australia, Nine News Denver, CNBC, Inc., PR Daily, and more. She lives in Chicago with her family, where she goes to the theater and hangs out by Lake Michigan as much as humanly possible. Hello, Marianne. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I am so happy to be talking with you today about branding and social media and whatever else happens to come up for us. I'm delighted to be with you, Beth. I've felt like I've known you for years since I discovered your podcast. <laughs> and um, it's really fun now to be talking with you. I think you're a good example of someone who drew me to you because of the values you espouse in your branding. Oh. And hopefully, you know, we can get at that today. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that lovely, that lovely feedback. <laughs> well, <laughs> what is making you smile today? So we are having some great winter weather here in Chicago. The sun is shining mm. on the 12 inches of snow we have on the ground. And Chicago suffers from a lot of misunderstanding about the weather we get here. We don't get a lot of snow. We don't. Usually in February, it's gray and wet and depressing. And right now, I I have two big windows in my office. They're such a gift to me. Mm. And the sun is sparkling on the snow, and it is making me smile. Oh, that sounds glorious. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I especially like it if I get to be on the inside part of the glass of the snow instead of the outside. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most days, most days. Well, um, 
to give everyone some context as we jump into our conversation, where would you describe that you fall on the introvert-extrovert spectrum, and how has that awareness influenced your path? So I am definitely um, towards the introvert end of the spectrum. I think like a lot of introverts, I've learned through my life to act like an extrovert and function like an introvert. Mm -hmm. Lately, Mm -hmm. telling people you're an introvert doesn't get gasps of horror (laughs) the way it used to, you know? (laughs) Exactly. We've come a long way. (laughs) We really have. And I think people like you and Susan Cain and, um, you know, really helping the general public understand the value that introverts bring to the conversation. But the reality is that there, there still is a little bit of the, the game that needs to be played. Mm-hmm. And one of the pleasures of working for myself is that I can schedule some downtime after a presentation or wrapping a big project. And when I was in the corporate world, that was much harder to do. So understanding that I need that chance to refuel, mm-hmm. even if it's just an hour to lie on the couch with a book yes. has been so helpful because then I'm really able to pour my heart and soul into my work because I know that I've taken the time to schedule that break to, you know, refresh and renew. Mm-hmm. And it's just been a really exciting insight into how I work and also how I can make sure that I'm really standing up and giving my best by knowing that sometimes I just need to disappear a little bit. Yeah. And that's something I've heard introverts, whether they're my coaching clients or other people I've interviewed on the podcast or just conversation, they sometimes even struggle with doing that. Um, There's some guilt, there's some, you know, like I should be going, 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 or always out there and always on. Um, Have you ever felt that? Or how have you decided for yourself to make it a priority? So I definitely felt that way. And I felt that way for for years. And um, I I have a family full of introverts. Mm. Um, Our three daughters are introverts. And one of the gifts that came out of being part of their lives was I started giving them advice that I needed to take for myself. Oh, there you go. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. It's okay Mm -hmm. to step back and need that time alone. And in fact, that's a catchphrase, you know, I need some alone time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you are telling other people, that that's a value and that's important, right? Eventually it's kind of, you know, breaks through your own thick head. And so I have really learned that it's okay because I am able to be a better version of myself by just giving myself those times to just, especially a good novel is just such great escapism for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm just a better version of myself. Afterwards. Yeah. I, I love that you, um, you remembered you have to follow the advice that you give others. And, and sometimes <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think that's one way we can look at it is to say, like, um, would I treat somebody I really love this way? Or is this how I would advise somebody I really love to take care of themselves? Wouldn't I say, look, if you need a break, take a break. It's okay. Why can't we turn that on ourselves as easily as we, we, you know, share it with other people? And I think um, it's, it's such a good way. I love the way you framed it, Beth. Just 
talk to yourself like you would to someone that you care about. And I think mm-hmm. for me, having a few episodes of really crashing and burning because I had pushed mm-hmm. myself beyond the point of return, um, those are good learning experiences, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, I know that you take care of yourself because you do put out awesome work out in the world. And I always love the content you put out. Oh, thank you. And one area of many that you have expertise in is LinkedIn. That's one of the first ways that I think we cross paths. And and I'm sure, you know, thinking of the platform itself, you've seen it go through many changes over the years. And at least from my perspective, it can always seem like I'm trying to aim at a moving target. Um, <laughs> And it seems like the same is true for just about every other social media platform. We're constantly hearing about changes to algorithms and prioritizing and and all of these other things on whether it's Facebook or Instagram, you know, whatnot. And I kind of want to fly up from being in the weeds of that up to like the 35,000 foot view, because it seems to me that there are probably some really fundamental best practices that are important, um, especially for entrepreneurs to abide by regardless of the platform and the changes that those platforms go through. And I'm wondering, in your experience, what do you see as those best practices that transcend the moving target? That's such a great question. And I really appreciate you wanting to go big picture, you know, big brushstrokes on social media, because honestly, like any bright, shiny object, social media has been overrated. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, a waste of time for entrepreneurs and small business people who don't have the capacity to juggle all of these platforms and honestly don't need to. Mm -hmm. So one thing that's so fascinating right now about what's going on with social media is that we seem to have hit a course correction. And I think that's healthy. Mm -hmm. We forget how new social media is. (laughs) Facebook, the granddaddy of them all, it's 14 years old. It's wow. barely a teenager. Yeah. Twitter was was launched in 2006. So it makes sense that they're evolving, right? right? And that our understanding of how we use them will evolve too. And honestly, doing a mea culpa here, one of the worst things we marketers did was create a sense of FOMO with social media, mm-hmm. fear yeah. of missing out. And it's still out there. And I encourage everybody to ignore it as yeah. much as possible. Yeah. Because when you put the channel in front of the message, that's a mistake. Channels oh. matter. The message matters more. And what matters most of all is where our clients find us and where they like to hang out. So those are some of the best practices for, for promotion that don't change. Mm-hmm. You keep your focus on your audience. Yep. how you solve problems or create opportunities, you get a lot of clarity about your marketing. Because let's say you're, you're dealing with clients who are never going to be on Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat. Isn't that a wonderful sigh of relief? I don't have to worry about <laughs> <Yes>. that. <laughs> I need to keep taking the temperature of my client base because maybe they will branch out. But that focus on the customer, right, Mm -hmm. and what they do really can help you focus your efforts. And honestly, to get back to your question, word of mouth and testimonials will always be the gold standard Mm -hmm. for promoting a small business, right? Right. 
And so being diligent about getting feedback from customers and using their words and their experience to talk about your work can be really magical. You're reminding me of like, we're, we're here in a um, new community and I'm looking for people to take care of us. I'm looking for resources. I'm looking for stores. I'm looking for, you know, all of those things that you have to kind of rebuild when you move someplace new. And I could go online. I could look at Facebook pages and websites and do all of that kind of stuff. But I know that there's a certain filter that's being presented. And what I really want to do is just post on my Facebook page and say, hey, who knows a great vet in the area or who knows this? So I'm just, you know, going back to maybe, um, you know, reinforce and affirm your point about word of mouth and testimonials, especially from people that you know, like, and trust, but even from even from strangers, as long as it's authentic and not necessarily through the filter of the company itself, I find those to be the most powerful. And they absolutely are. I needed to find a physical therapist because I decided to hurt my back right before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that was a what choice I you made, huh? What I gave to me and my entire family. Um, and what I did, I went on Yelp. And read, you know, testimonials and reviews. And I read them through, I liked how you use that word filter, right? I kind of, I was looking for Mm -hmm. keywords and phrases that would align with what I was looking for. So yes, they were strangers. But what helped me make a decision about the physical therapist I ended up working with was that I knew what I wanted in an experience with a care provider. Mm And in reviewing those testimonials, I could make decisions based on the word choices that they used in their posts. And I'm thrilled with the practice I ended up with. So, yeah, strangers can be hugely helpful. And it really is what most of us are doing these days. Yeah. Any advice for getting those testimonials as a small business owner? I know sometimes I can even stumble over that just a little bit because if a little time has passed or anything like that, you know, we can kind of get in our heads and say, oh, I don't want to bother them or, um, you know, I don't want to put them on the spot, which is which is really silly. But reality, at least in my squirrely head sometimes. What advice do you have for, for getting those golden standard testimonials? So one thing is to do it while you're still in the relationship. I think the tendency is... Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to use my physical therapy experience. Mm -hmm. Let's say I've completed my course. I'm healed. My back is in great shape again, and I'm done, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe I get an email from them in a week or two asking for that kind of feedback or encouraging me to go on Yelp or whatever. Well, it doesn't sound like a lot of time, but it is. Mm -hmm. The time to ask is close to the end of the relationship. Maybe what you do is while I'm waiting for my therapist to come out is I'm handed a small form or someone does, you know, or the owner of the practice just asks me a few questions. And then when you frame it in, this is really helpful to us to Mm -hmm. find people who want to work with us. And then maybe you provide some sort of a gift card Mm -hmm. or like, Mm -hmm. for instance, my practice has a variety of services, including massage therapy, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say they gave me a gift card for $25 off a massage in exchange for taking the time 
to post something on Yelp, for example. Mm -hmm. And you test these ideas, right? Because you'll learn from your clients what they're comfortable doing. But honestly, I just described an offer that I would jump at. Right. I'm very happy with the service I've received. I'm planning to write them a Yelp review, to be perfectly honest. But it's, it's a matter of doing it within the context of the relationship and not waiting until you've actually wrapped, because that's what we typically do, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so what's been most helpful for me is before we're done, I ask for their help. And I do frame it as, I really need your help with this, because mm-hmm. honestly, those are words that are really easy for most people to respond to. And the other thing is, is just owning up to the fact that a lot of people won't do it. Mm -hmm. True. So the failure rate is huge. That's okay. Yeah. You're just looking for those people who will take the time to do it. Yeah. Because that's what you need. And you never know when, even if they don't take the time in that moment to give the testimonial that's something in writing, you never know that something about that will plant a seed that later when somebody says, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a... You know, I'm looking for a massage therapist. Do you know anybody? And they say, oh, yeah, that's right. I, you know, had this good experience here or there. Um, So you're at least planting the seed that their experience matters. And them sharing their experience matters, however that manifests itself. Exactly. And this is where messaging on the website or whatever can be helpful, because if you're providing some clear language about the services you offer mm-hmm. and the differentiation that also makes it easier for that word of mouth piece to happen. Because instead of saying, oh, I have a great therapist, you can say specifically what makes this practice stand out. Mm-hmm. For me, it was the fact that the physical therapist works with me the entire hour. I am not delegated to an assistant. I always have a physical therapist coaching me and working with me. And I wanted that. Some people don't care, right? right, For example. So I know how to specifically talk about what it was that got me to make the decision to work with them. Well, let's talk about that for just a minute in terms of branding and messaging, because you've spent a lot of time working with small businesses and organizations to help them communicate that message in powerful ways that they can then be specific and share with others. Um, And messaging is, of course, part of branding. So again, in that 35,000 foot view, um, (laughs) over time, how has your definition of branding evolved? Um, I don't know that my understanding has changed over the course of my career. I probably use different words to talk about it, that I will say. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I have been on a mission, especially recently, to demystify it because throw the word branding into a conversation and everyone's blood pressure goes up. It's, (laughs) it's, It's a buzzword that causes so much anxiety because not only companies need brands right now. The term personal brand is very, you know, it's everywhere. It's like oxygen. And so what goes through a person's head is, oh my gosh, I need a brand stat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and what I try and say in, in response to that very natural reaction is, Relax, you already have one. Mm -hmm. You just need to take some time to name it and own it and develop some good habits around supporting it. It's the habits that we have a brand. Mm -hmm. We all do, Mm -hmm. right? Because 
it's really about interaction, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But we need to say, we, we need to take the time to think through what it is and then how to make sure that we're being consistent. And so good branding is about consistency, right? Right. While being human, no one wants us to be a robot. And good branding is promising what you can deliver and only what you can deliver, which isn't the same as under-promising because that's deceptive. It just means you understand what you do well and what you shouldn't do. And so going back to a thought I had introduced a little earlier, branding is just a tool for creating an opportunity for interaction. Mm -hmm. It's a means to an end. You know, we all need productive relationships to support our business goals. Right. We all need to find people who are willing to pay us for what we do, right? And the brand is sort of the key to the door so that we can have that initial interaction Mm -hmm. and then start exploring whether or not this is something that's going to develop into a transaction. So ultimately, Mm -hmm. it's you know, what does it feel like to work with you? That's, that's the, the trickiness about branding because you're trying to get at that experience. But the experience of working with you is at the heart of your brand. And it's yeah. really what makes you stand out regardless of how big or small your market niche is. Yeah. So how do those fit into this equation? This is where core values come in, in my opinion. An impulse I think that most of us have as solopreneurs or small business people is we, we think we should be throwing out a big net in our marketing. And when we really look at our values, we understand the power of throwing out a small net. Mm-hmm. When you try to appeal to everyone, your messaging gets mushy mm-hmm. and unfocused <laughs> and you become generic. And that's great at the grocery store when you're pricing navy beans, right? Right. But it's not useful in marketing a small business. And for example, there's lots of marketers and coaches out there, right? Mm -hmm. We're well-trained, we're well-qualified, and our pricing is probably fine. Right. But what drew me to you, Beth, was that the work you do is, is grounded in some values that we both share. Mm-hmm. Those values may not be meaningful to someone else who's looking for a coach. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. And so core values become some of the building blocks of our messaging because we're looking for words that create that aha moment and, and create a sense of, okay, this is a person who will understand me. And that's where that little introduction can spark a connection and then potentially a relationship that's mutually beneficial. And and I love that you say that it's the the key to the door because I think sometimes we can think branding is the end all be all and it is the door. Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it has to tell the entire story, but really it's the point of entry to the person and to the relationship and to the experience, like you said. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. You know, it has to be compelling enough to get them to, you know, knock on the door, turn the key, you know, feel that resonance. And it's much deeper than that, ultimately. Definitely. I think, I think you said that really well. And for example, now when I'm talking to people about the value of LinkedIn, which has like you mentioned before, undergone some really seismic shifts in the platform in the past six or seven months. Mm -hmm. 
The value is creating a profile that's an introduction. Yeah. That's a conversation starter. That's much different than maybe the way LinkedIn would talk about it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I feel like when you're looking for an opportunity to tell you, tell the story of what you offer in a way that gets someone thinking, you know, I might want to talk to this person. It doesn't have to be comprehensive. It doesn't have to say everything about what you do and offer. It just has to be enough of an introduction to the experience of working with you that another person is willing to send you an email or pick up the phone. Yeah. And I want to throw in something because it's just it's fresh in my mind from a recent coaching session with a client. He came to the session and he had decided to um, apply for a new job. And he wanted to just kind of talk through some of the interview questions that he felt like, you know, come out of left field. And as we were, you know, he's like, there are the standard ones you prepare for, and then they're the ones that take you by surprise. And so, of course, I was supposed to come up with the ones that might take him by surprise. <laughs> But those, but what, but but what came up was, you know, he was doing fine, and then and then I got to a question where he started describing something, but it was in such a way that I thought it doesn't have to be him that's saying this. I could hear this particular perspective from almost anyone, and that's not to diminish, you know, his own perspective or experience. But my point was, tell me a story that nobody else can tell. Oh, yeah. And, and it seems like that should be part of our brand too. Cause like I've seen websites where I can, if I cover it, you know, if I put my hand and covered up the header and the picture of the person, I could be looking at any coach's website or any consultant's website. And it seems to me part of that messaging that makes it stand out. And especially for introverts to kind of cut through the noise, it should be, what's a story that only you can tell? What's a brand or a core value that only you can communicate in a certain way? So I just want to toss that in there and, and curious if you have anything to add or share about that particular piece too. I think that's such a good insight, Beth. And one of the fears we have about promoting ourselves is that we're afraid of turning someone off. Mm-hmm. It can be challenging to embrace what's unique about us. Yeah. And yet, no one pays attention if it's not clear who we are. So this is a real point of tension that I work with clients about, helping them just feel a sense of freedom about that really unique blend of experience and skills and passions that make them unique. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to the idea, there are lots of accountants and IT specialists and our salespeople. Mm-hmm. Lots of people fill those roles where the branding piece comes in is how you do that and how you make the person you're working with feel. And that means bring in your personality. Mm-hmm. Step, mm-hmm. Out of the, step out of the jargon. Yeah. Tell a story that's, as you said, you said it really well, that's uniquely yours. Mm-hmm. And, and the goal is always just that sense of, Oh, I'd like to talk to this person. So you see, it's not, we're not at the end of that notorious sales funnel, right? Right. We're still at the awareness piece. Yes. And I think where we go wrong is thinking that somehow when we're just making these introductions that we have to be at the decision-making end. Mm -hmm. And that's jumping over so many hoops. And I know um, you've had a guest who's talked about this really well. Yes. Just the idea of understanding where you are in the cycle and just having a little fun with that. Yep. 
because life is hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> right. And if you, you know what I mean? And if yeah. you can help someone on the other end of the email or the phone call relax and feel heard and named, that's when you start moving down the funnel. But when you yeah. jump over that, that it's sort of like, it's, it's like a date, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. right. You know, it really is. Um, branding, I, I never really articulated it quite like that, but there is a dating aspect to branding. Yeah. So make it very human and step out of all that jargon mm-hmm. and, and use words that, that resonate and make sense and be okay. And this is the challenge. Be okay with the fact that some people will read about what you have to offer and say, uh-uh. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's okay. Yeah. And I talk a lot about being audience focused because it's so important. But our experience of that business relationship is is critical as well because we deliver our best work when we're in a good fit. Yes, absolutely. So you're encouraging potential clients or customers to self-select based on the words Mm -hmm. and the stories you tell. Yep. I'm going to say the easier you make it for them to self-select, the better it is. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and and again, you know, I kind of come back to that introvert angle of I don't want to spend a lot of time with folks that aren't, that there's not going to be any resonance. Oh, exactly. I'd rather put out that clear beacon and trust that probably, you know, there's not always going to be a perfect fit, of course, but you know, at least 75, 80% of the time, there's at least, you know, enough of a level of resonance that it feels like a satisfying interaction. It feels like it could go somewhere. Um, And if it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I am exhausted and drained at the end because I was having to work too hard. You know, I mean, there's just all sorts of different things to think about when it comes to, you know, the energy piece. So what are some, um, just to wrap up this part of our conversation, what are some key questions that we can ask ourselves to start assessing whether our brand is aligning with our values, you know, aligning with that resonance that we've been talking about? So um, essentially, when you're talking about asking key questions, it's research, right? Mm -hmm. And it's research from both sides. I encourage people to do a debrief at the end of a project from their perspective, thinking about how it went, what worked, what didn't, what you should have done differently so that you can be clearer about the expectations that you set for working with someone. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to research, this is another one of those words, people just, you can just see them tense up, but research is really about curiosity and listening. And, and, And I hate to generalize, but as a rule, we introverts are good at those things, yeah, right? Yeah, We're typically. Good at, you know, being open to input from other people. We like to make research more complicated when it's really pretty straightforward. And yes, sometimes you need these really big intensive research projects that are expensive and time consuming. Let's say in the initial stages of setting up a business or when you're exploring new markets or you've hit some rocks in the harbor, Mm -hmm. right? But if you bake a commitment to research into everything you do, it becomes more anecdotal and conversational and easier to do because you just start, it's that muscle memory. It's just what you do. And you've tested it enough that you know the right time to do it, Mm -hmm. you know, with a client. 
And you've also accepted the fact that lots of times you're not going to hear anything. It's going to be crickets. But what you get back is so helpful. So I have a practice with myself where I have core questions that I ask of clients and also of myself. Because, you know, when you were talking about that alignment piece, I have to be asking myself regularly how things are going. Because if I'm in client relationships that are too much of an energy suck or, or they, they feel confrontational or whatever, I have to start thinking about how I'm promoting myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm, am I really being clear on how I work with people? I have three core questions. What worked for you? What didn't go as well? What should I do differently next time? Mm-hmm. And you can tweak those, right, depending on if you're talking to yourself or talking to a client. And I really think at the heart of this is the idea of trusting the customer or client to tell his or own story from their experience. When I do branding exercises with small businesses and nonprofits, sometimes I really have to sell people on the idea that there's value in hearing what patients or donors or, you know, whatever the audience is, there's value in what they have to say. Yeah. We're afraid of hearing what people say about us sometimes. But there's gold in them, their words. There really is. (laughs) And the brand is how it's perceived. And so we need to hear what people think it is. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, going back to, you know, when we talked earlier about testimonials, you know, put testimonials on your website and, you know, ask for them for your LinkedIn page. And remember the value in letting other people talk about the experience of working with you, because that really is the trend right now. And in, in a sense, it's no different than how it was 50 years ago sure. when we talked to people at the post office or, you know, standing outside City Hall. It's the same concept. We want to hear what other people have to say. And it seems through those words, we start to gather that information that gives us the message, gives us the brand um, reflected back to us in an organic way, too. The patterns pop almost immediately. I'm, I'm in the middle of a big project right now where I'm doing, I'm at the interview phase, and I'm talking to a dozen stakeholders for this organization. And I've only completed four interviews. Mm -hmm. I can see where it's going. (laughs) Because in a a really great way, this is a great organization. They do wonderful work. And we're so close to what we do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we lose focus because it's just not it's just not easy to do. So taking that time to really listen to what other people say can be so powerful and so helpful. And and I would add just really quickly to, as you're listening to what people say, really take it, I, I suppose I'm mostly thinking of the complimentary stuff, but take it to heart, like really receive it as a gift. Yes. Um, yes. Don't dismiss it and say, oh, that's not me, or you're too kind. <laughs> You know, I mean, you know, yes, humility is wonderful. And, you know, if you hear the same thing over and over again, absorb that and say, hey, that's, that's part of my message. Like, I've heard feedback, like, I'm generous. And that's not necessarily a word I ever would have just pulled out of the air. But that is what is reflected back to me. And it takes a little bit of work to say, hey, you know, maybe I am. And, and, and if that is part of who I am, then how do I embody that? in such a way that um, feels authentic. And, you know, it already is authentic, but, um, you know, that, that feels good and, and feels integrated with who I am. 
and and it helps to hold accountable. <laughs> if I ever don't feel like being generous, <laughs> like that, then I say, but wait, that's that's who you are. And so, you know, what can you do to to stretch a little bit into that space? Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. And stretch into that space, but then also give yourself the time for recovery and renewal. Yeah. Yeah. Because some of our virtues can really get us into trouble, especially oh, yeah. introverts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you want to live into them and I totally thousand percent echo that that word for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but if we're not taking care of ourselves with how we live into that, then it becomes shabby, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it becomes yeah diminished in some way. And yep. the word that comes up that is sort of the flip side that you always have to be cautious with is boundaries. There's always that chance that you're going to be overly generous, overextend and, and you know, I'd have to think this through, but I'm guessing almost any strength that somebody comes back at you with, the flip side of it is, if it starts to feel like a a burden rather than a gift is, are you establishing healthy boundaries? Are you taking care of yourself around it? Are you experiencing FOMO? Like I, I, you know, a fear of missing out of being able to give that gift or Mm -hmm. whatever it is of being that person. And, and you just have to trust that that is you. And um, in order for that to be you, you do have to draw you know, a line in the sand every once in a while and do a little bit of self-protection and boundaries with it. Exactly. And I'm so glad that you're articulating that because (laughs) that's a message I need to hear on a regular basis. (laughs) Because you are also very generous. That's one thing I have noticed about you. I can put that word with you as well. Thank you. You are very thoughtful and generous. And so I offer that up as part of your research. You're informal. (laughs) So you have been very generous with your experiences. And thank you so much for sharing. And I want to wrap up with the question that I ask all of my guests. Maybe it's when you're done with this big uh, project that you're doing for that client, you might need a three week vacation on Introvert Island. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. (laughs) You can only take three books with you, though. What would you take with you and why? I had to give this some thought. Um, I am so well known at my library. I am just, (laughs) reading is really where I get a lot of my time for renewal. So, but I'm going to, you know, I I like to follow rules. So (laughs) I have a great dictionary, the American Heritage Dictionary, 2,000 pages and a zillion words. Yeah. And it's also heavy enough that you can use it as a weight. (laughs) Excellent. When I want to get a workout on the island. Um, and I just thought, spend 15 minutes a day looking up one new word. It never happens. It never happens. So the thought of just being able to browse and explore just sounds oh, so good. I have a collection of short stories from The New Yorker that I've been wanting to get mm-hmm. into. So I would put that in my backpack. I think the short story is just the premier literary art form. I just adore it. And then the last thing is a book by two Stanford professors called Designing Your Life, How to Build a Well-Lived, Joyful Life. And um, it's based on a class they teach on design thinking, mm-hmm. which is the concept that, that's brought us, you know, your desk chair and your smartphone. Um, yeah. And it's just the idea of starting a process with a problem that needs solving. And they really look at the whole person, not just, a, you know, a, a snazzy resume. And I read the book a year ago, 
and kind of shifted my thinking because they're very much into experimentation, which sometimes we can think of as failure because not every experiment works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd just be sort of curious to revisit that and see, you know, where my experimentation has taken me and take that time to reflect something else I should do and don't. Great. Well, Marianne, how can um, people connect with you and learn more about you and what you have to offer? Um, LinkedIn is a great way to find me. That's my most active social media platform at this moment. And one of the beauties Mm -hmm. of having an unusual name is that all you have to do is search with my name and I will pop up. I also have a website, MarianneGriebler.com. And I um, set up a page for this podcast, MarianneGriebler.com slash introvert, where I'm going to have a sample evaluation form and also some worksheets. I've developed on creating a message-driven LinkedIn profile. I've started doing workshops on LinkedIn. And yes, LinkedIn has changed, (laughs) and it will keep changing because they can't seem to help themselves. (laughs) But just like sometimes I'm just like, please, just for five minutes, leave it alone. But at its core, LinkedIn is free promotion for your business. And it's a chance to introduce yourself, talk about what you have to offer, and what it feels like to work with you. Great. Well, I will make sure that we include the links to connect with you as well as your Introvert Island book selections on the um, episode page on my website. And uh, so people can follow up. And absolutely, thank you so much for the, again, the generosity of sharing those worksheets and questions with us. And I'll make sure the link, uh, com slash introvert is included in the notes as well. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Beth. This was just a joy. You made me smile the entire time. <laughs> Marianne made lots of great points in that chat, and the main one I'm taking away is around how do clients and customers feel when they interact with you and your brand? I'll apply that question to my business, of course, but also I'm going to be paying more attention to how I feel as I interact with others and their businesses. By paying attention to what influences my emotions, I figure I'll be gathering more external data that tells me what to look for as I inwardly reflect on my own brand. What do you want to remember and apply from the conversation? I invite you to take a moment now to make note of what you want to remember before it slips away. Remember to visit theintrovertentrepreneur.com for links to Marianne's Introvert Island book selections, as well as a shortcut to the free goodies that she shared that she was offering at mariannegriebler.com slash introvert. Also, Marianne mentioned a mutual colleague during our interview that I want to give a shout out to. His name is Steve McCullough, and his business is called Buyer Aligned Selling. His philosophy is very much in sync with what Marianne and I discussed today. You'll find a link to his website on the page for this episode, in addition to how to contact Marianne and, again, get her Introvert Island book selections. If you want to learn more about my coaching, speaking, and training services, you'll also find that information at the Introvert Entrepreneur. I am so glad that you joined me today. Thank you. I hope you found great value in this. If you did, I invite you to visit iTunes or Stitcher or however you listen to this podcast and leave a review. It helps others to know what to expect from it to see if it's worth their time. And as Marianne mentioned, it helps me um, get some valuable feedback. It helps me to be able to spread the word, to be able to share your words with other people about what value they get from this podcast. So thank you for considering that. 
And thank you to Paul Messing, my podcast producer, who always does a great job at making us all sound good. This is Beth Below of The Introvert Entrepreneur. It has been a pleasure sharing this time with you. Until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. <laughs>